that's definitely one of the top selling points, I guess, is to be able to get something really quickly that is going to help you get going like as soon as possible so that you can start making money. And then maybe eventually in a few years, you'll want to come back and do like that full experience because now you know more about your audience, you're more clear on your offers, and you just have like a more clear vision overall for where you want the business to go. And then that's a really good time to like revisit your brand and update your website to reflect all of that. You are listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Messy in the Middle. With me today, I have Steph Corrigan. Steph is a strategic branding and web designer for purpose-driven small businesses, including HaleyEJohnson.com. She helps visionary entrepreneurs and bold business owners elevate their brand and website so they can scale their business with ease. Steph, welcome to the show. Hi, Haley. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. So I obviously introduced you to our listeners with your more professional elevator pitch, but let's rewind a bit to maybe before things were so professional. What did little Steph want to be when she grew up? Because I know it wasn't always graphic design. Yeah, that's actually kind of a hard question because I never had like a clear career trajectory in mind when I was younger. I always loved doing creative things like creative writing. And I used to make these home videos with my dad and my friends where we would like come up with scripts and like act out these scenes and then do all the editing and everything. Um, So I really love doing creative projects like that. But then as I got older, I guess I kind of started to think more about, I guess, more practically about my career And so all of that creative stuff, unfortunately, kind of like went to the back burner and I started, yeah, I guess just like thinking more practically about like what would be a good career, like financially stable and actually like contributing to society in a meaningful way. Um, And so that kind of led me to get interested in psychology and like human behavior. For a while, I was interested in physical therapy. And then when I went to college, I kind of like tried out a bunch of different subjects, but ultimately I just kept coming back to like psychology and I just was like always fascinated in how the human brain works (laughs) um, and all of that. So I ended up getting a degree in neuroscience and my thinking at the time was to go either into research, so pursue a PhD and go that route or potentially go to medical school and become a psychiatrist or um, do therapy or something along those lines because it kind of was interesting to me, but it also seemed like a great way to actually like help people. (laughs) Um, And so after I graduated, I wasn't really ready to go back to school right away. I wanted to, you know, be an adult and like get an apartment and have a job and just kind of like live for a little bit before I went back to school. Like be a real person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
So I ended up getting a job in New York City at Wall Cornell Medicine, which is like a, a medical school and a hospital. And it was kind of a more like administrative role. So I had a little bit of that research component that I was interested in, but it was in a leukemia program. So it wasn't really related to psychiatry or anything like that, but that, that was just kind of the opportunity that ended up working out. Um, and so I worked there for a couple of years and in the back of my mind, I was always thinking about like, okay, what am I going to do next? Like, should I start applying for medical school? Should I be trying to do like more research so that I can get into that? Because as I'm sure everyone knows, it's like super competitive to get into those kinds of programs. And the job that I had wasn't really a direct uh, correlation to where I would want to go. But I don't know, like some at some point during that time, I kind of realized that like this maybe this wasn't really the right path for me after all. Like I was dreading the idea of going back to school for like another four plus years. And I also realized that the medical profession, like after working in that environment for a while, I was like, maybe this isn't really the best fit for me after all. So then I had kind of like a career crisis moment where I was like, okay, if this isn't the right path, then what on earth am I going to do next? Um, and so I just did like a ton of research, exploring different options. Um, and I just kept feeling like I had like hit a wall and like kind of come to a dead end. It was like, um, I could continue this path that I was on, but I knew that my heart wasn't really in it. And so somehow in that time in my research, I stumbled upon uh, web development and actually initially it was just web development. And so I started kind of playing around with it through like free uh, tutorials and things like that. And then I was like, okay, I think I can do this. So <laughs> then I started taking a course on web development and that also include, included graphic design and branding design. Um, so it was like a very comprehensive online course. And as I was going through it, I also started to learn more about the world of freelancing. And that was kind of where it first hit me that like, that was an option as well. Like I don't have to go to this nine to five office job, which I really kind of struggled with just like working in an environment like that. So yeah, I discovered freelancing and I realized that the skills that I was building would be perfect for something that I could do independently. And it was also creative work which I loved and was something that I really missed from mm -hmm. my life. Like it felt like that was something that had always been a part of me, but that I kind of like pushed aside. So yeah. So basically I took these online courses for a while. And then after about six months, I decided to just go for it and quit my job and just see if I could make it work. Awesome. So I have like a zillion questions. So <laughs> when you realized that like, like, and finally came to terms or like made peace with the fact that you were like, okay, I'm not going to go to medical school. I'm not going to pursue a PhD. Was that like emotional and scary or was it kind of a relief to know that like, now, you know, that's not what you want to do. So you can focus your energy on figuring out what it is that you want to do. Yeah, it was definitely something that I wrestled with because there was this 
basically there was like the logical part of my mm-hmm. mind that was like, if I want to have a successful career and make good money and like, you know, all of that, then that is what I should do. And that would make sense for me to do. But ultimately, I think during that time, I was just doing a lot of like personal exploration, like learning more about myself and who Mm -hmm. I was. And so I just kind of realized that that really wasn't me. Like that was, that part of me was like something that had been like instilled in me through going to school like I went to a really rigorous private school and everyone there was very career focused. Um, a lot of my friends went on to get PhDs and become doctors and lawyers and all of that. And I was just kind of like swept up in it. Mm-hmm. But like at my core, that was never really like who I was. So yeah, it was difficult, but it was also like kind of a relief to mm-hmm. see that there was another option and that, yeah, I can find something that's just a better fit for me. Yeah. And freelancing gives you so much opportunity for that too, especially in a creative field. I know like when I was younger, like I always wanted to be like a writer or an editor or like something in that realm, but then like the practical side kicked in and I was like, I'm going to go to school for dietetics. Spoiler alert, she did not succeed in dietetics. Um, And like, it wasn't until like after graduating and realizing like, oh, freelancing doesn't have to be this intermediary. It can be like the beginning of something independent and like just as legitimate as a nine to five. That really like flipped the switch for me. Before you, or maybe while you were, you know, taking the development classes and the coding classes, like, was there a plan B? Like, was there another potential nine to five option that you were considering? Or was it really just like trying to figure out what this development thing could turn into? To be honest, I didn't really have much of a plan at all. (laughs) I have to be honest, like I was, I had pretty, okay. I was pretty naive, like going into the whole freelancing thing. And I just read stories about like how people were able to make really good money by offering this skill because web development is like a very in-demand skill. And if you're good at it, it can also pay really well. And then I would also like calculate out like what my hourly rate would be. And it, when I made those calculations, it was like, oh, I could make like really good money doing this and Mm -hmm. it'll be easy and great but I didn't really take into consideration all the other parts of being a freelancer with like sales and like finding those clients. Like, I don't know, somehow it didn't really click that. Like I would actually have to find those clients. They weren't just going to come to me. I forgot what your question was. (laughs) That I was basically like, do you, did you have a plan B? And it sounds like the answer is you barely had a plan A, but I can relate to that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I did before I went, down that road, I actually did start applying for other jobs as well that were like administrative type jobs. But yeah, my heart was never really in that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was sort of a very like soft plan B, but yeah, all of my energy pretty much was into like doing this freelance thing. Awesome. So I know for me, before I went back to school for a marketing degree, I felt a lot of imposter syndrome, you know, early on in my business. Um, I spent a lot of time researching and learning about marketing. And even though I felt like I knew what I was talking about, there was always that little voice that was like, but people went to school for this. Like, what are you doing offering that? Did you ever experience that with design? Or I guess a better question is, how did you decide that you were like 
good enough to call yourself a designer um, when you're essentially like self-taught. And that's not a dig. That's just like, I've been there. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, imposter syndrome was very real throughout my whole freelance journey and definitely something I still struggle with today. Um, In the very beginning, though, again, I think I was just too naive about the whole thing. And I thought that like, if I just learned the skills that people would hire me to to do them (laughs) because I could. And then it was kind of more like over time as I was trying to get work, I realized that like, yeah, it just it wasn't that simple. Um, it wasn't as easy as just like creating some portfolio pieces. And then if people liked you, they would hire you. There was a lot more that goes into it. And then I also started to kind of like network more with other designers and just like be more entrenched in like the design community in general. And then that was kind of when like looking around, I realized that like, oh, I still have a long way to go. Like, like I've only been doing this for a few months and my work was nowhere near like the quality of other designers who were doing this professionally. So that kind of made me, I guess it kind of just motivated me to like work harder on like developing those skills. Like I Mm -hmm. realized that now that I have the skills, you know, it doesn't really stop here. Like I need to keep developing them, get better and just, yeah, continue working on that. So it's almost like imposter syndrome, like didn't stop you. It actually pushed you to be better. (laughs) Yeah. In a way. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like more of us need that kind of imposter syndrome. (laughs) Yeah. So, of course, I know the answer to this because, spoiler alert to our listeners, we work together and I'm obsessed with your offers. Um, But can you talk me through what your business looks like today, what your offers are, and maybe like some of the offers you've had in the past that morphed into your current business? Yeah, for sure. So I've done... Well, first of all, I've been in business for four years now. So during that time, I've made a lot of changes, a lot of like experimenting with my offers and and how I want to work with people. So my core offers have always been uh, my branding and web design package. Um, So this is like a really comprehensive package where first I'll like design the brand identity for a business. And then once the brand is established, I would create a website for them as well. Um, And that can kind of take different forms depending on the client, but that has always been like my core or I guess my signature offer. And then at some point I started experimenting a little bit more. So I was earlier on, I was doing a lot of hourly work as well. So when I was first starting out, I did a lot of work through Upwork because that was like the only way I was able to get uh, work in the beginning when I didn't have much of a portfolio. Um, And so I was doing a lot of hourly work and it would be kind of just like random design projects. So some of it was branding or web design, but it was also like random things like graphic design things or like website updates Mm -hmm. um, and projects like that. I also used to do just logo design Uh, you're probably going to laugh at this, but I used to do logo design, like $50 logo, which is just (laughs) insane. But that's how it was. (laughs) How long would something like that take you? Like how long would you dedicate to a $50 logo? Like, was it something that you could whip out and like, it was a pretty decent 
like deal for you? Or was this like you're spending just as much time as you would on a $5,000 logo and making like pennies on the hour? Yeah, well, somewhere in the middle, I think. Um, (laughs) Back then, my logo design skills were not very good. So it wasn't something that I was putting a ton of time into. It was like very basic, but it was also still not worth or worth more than $50. Yeah. (laughs) Just like by the amount of time that went into it. But yeah, I stopped offering that like a long time ago, fortunately. And then more recently, so maybe about two years ago, I started offering day rates. Um, And initially, this was something that for me was kind of like an alternative to doing hourly work because basically the problem with hourly work for me was that these projects would kind of like drag on and on and they didn't have like a really clear process or timeline. Um, And for me, it just felt a little bit too... I don't know, disorganized, I guess, to be like managing projects like that. And with the day rate, it's like a much more contained way of working together. And it's, you have a very clear timeline and a very, it's just a lot more clear, basically what, what you're going to do and get out of that. Um, And also financially as well. So I started offering day rates and initially they didn't really get much interest at all. You know, they are kind of a premium as far as like, if you compare the hourly rate for day rate versus like what I was charging hourly, the day rate seemed a lot more expensive, but I also think it was a lot more valuable to be able to get my attention on something for a full day, as opposed to like spacing it out like a few, you know, like an hour here, an hour there. So I started offering day rates and mostly it was just for kind of random projects that people needed, like some updates to their website or they needed a new like refreshed color palette or something like that. And then more recently, I realized that I was getting a lot of people who were interested in working with me for branding and web design specifically, but for whatever reason, they just weren't a good fit for like my signature package, Mm -hmm. which at this point, you know, is it's a pretty significant investment and it's really intended for someone who has an established business and is at a phase where they're like trying to grow as opposed to like just starting out and, you know, aren't really ready to like invest a ton of money into their business at that point. Cause they don't really know how it's going to go or what direction it's going in. And so then it kind of occurred to me that maybe there was a way to create like a middle ground between the day rates and the signature branding and web design experience. So then I started offering a one-day website service, which is template-based. However, it's a really great option for anyone who like really needs a professional website, but doesn't want to invest like 5,000 plus in a custom website. So I kind of trialed that out for a little bit and it went really, really well. So then I was like, maybe I can do the same thing for branding. So I started offering a branding intensive, which is like a one day brand design experience. That's basically a super condensed version of my signature branding process in one day. And so that seemed to go really well as well. So now at this point, I realized that I think the majority of people who do come to me are a better fit for those one day projects as opposed to the signature. You know, some people definitely are looking for that kind of more in-depth experience, but 
I do attract a lot of people who are like starting out with their business and they need something professional, but they're not super ready to invest that much into it. And so the branding intensive and the one day website are kind of like the perfect option for them. (laughs) So I've been like recently, like, you know, as early as like the beginning of this year, I've been kind of leaning more into those offers. Yeah, definitely. And I can imagine, I mean, slash no, like, if you're at that earlier stage in your business where you maybe don't have a website set up already, you don't have a brand set up already, like the thought of investing in a custom brand and web design project and then like waiting for the entire process to be complete is like time is money and it's a lot of money. So like getting to get the brand back in a day, getting to get the website back in the day, even if you have to wait like a couple weeks for it is better than like being entrenched in this process for like weeks or even months because like they just need to get it up and running. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely one of the top selling points, I guess, is to be Mm -hmm. able to get something really quickly that is going to help you get going like as soon as possible so that you can start making money. And then maybe eventually in a few years, you'll want to come back and do like that full experience because now you know more about your audience, you're more clear on your offers and you just have like a more clear vision overall for where you want the business to go. And then that's a really good time to like revisit your brand and update your website to reflect Mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah. So you mentioned that the one day website is template based and I know you design the templates yourself. What made you decide to get into template design specifically instead of maybe using someone else's templates or like figuring out some other way to kind of automate that part of the process? Yeah. So I started creating templates um, actually before I started offering the one day website service and my motivation for them was pretty simple. I just wanted to have some kind of quote passive income because, you know, the only way that I was able to make money was by selling my time through my services. And so I thought, you know, maybe I could diversify that a little bit, create some templates that people can just buy and they can install them and customize them themselves. So I also recorded like tutorials on how to do that and created a shop on my website. And then I just have them there so that if people, you know, aren't ready for to hire a designer, then at least they can buy like a professional template and kind of customize it for themselves. And then, yeah. So then when I was thinking about the one day website, it didn't really make sense to be doing like a custom website in a day. It just didn't really, it's just not enough time to be able to do that. And so the templates were kind of a perfect solution because because I created them myself I like I can work with them really quickly and I know exactly what what's included and I'm very familiar with the theme that was used for them as well um and so yeah it just kind of made sense to use those templates that I created and customize them for people and again since I'm a designer and that's like what I do I'm able to customize them to an extent that you honestly can't even tell that it's a template mm-hmm. like every every one day website that I do is like they all look pretty unique because I end up changing a lot of things that basically take it out of that template and make mm-hmm. it look more unique to that brand yeah awesome this week's episode of messy in the middle is sponsored by thought leaders collective 
Are you so sick of Facebook groups? Totally over Instagram pods? Looking for a place to find community and collaboration online without all the spammy sales, bro marketers, and frankly, bullshit that comes with the online space? Then boy, do I have the thing for you. Thought Leaders Collective is for the online service provider who is ready to step into the spotlight and make a name for themselves, but is just plain tired of coming up with fresh new content for every platform every week. You just want to log on, share your genius, and bask in the glow of your newfound visibility. But it can't be that easy, can it? With Thought Leaders Collective, it totally can. Weekly thought leadership prompts delivered straight to your inbox. Co-working sessions so you can carve out the time to actually be visible on LinkedIn, strategic planning to get you laser-focused, and a supportive community of other online service providers who just get it. What more could you ask for? I could tell you stories of members like Rachel, who had someone submit an inquiry on her site within hours of posting her first TLC prompt. Or Kira, who said, Haley, this LinkedIn shit is bananas. My visibility and reach are insane. Or Meg, who is a self-described LinkedIn stan, now that TLC is supporting her content and community needs. Or you could go to thepropagy.com slash TLC and use code MESSY at checkout to get your first month free and see for yourself how great TLC and LinkedIn can be. That's thepropagy.com slash TLC with code M-E-S-S-Y at checkout to get your first month free. After that, it's just 27 bucks a month and you can cancel anytime, but I doubt you'll want to. Can't wait to see you on LinkedIn. So do you have a favorite offer that you have right now? Like if you get an inquiry, like you're secretly hoping it's like this offer or that offer, like something that really just brings you a lot of joy? Oh, that's a tough question. I always get excited when I get inquiries (laughs) for any of my offers. Um, I do a little happy dance every time. I think right now I've really been loving the one day website. I think web design in general has always been my favorite out of all the services that I offer because mm-hmm. it's what I've been doing the longest. It's what I feel the most comfortable with. Um, so yeah, I love doing the one day website. However, I love doing any of my other services too. So uh-huh. it's really hard to pick a favorite. Well, now I'm going to flip it on you. Do you have an offer that you've had in the past that is maybe like your least favorite and you look back on like, I can't believe I ever offered that? That would probably be the logo design that I used. The $50 logo. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's like a story and you probably have like a really interesting like arc of your skills changing as a designer. Like there's probably like a lesson or blog post or something in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, By the way, I don't think it's like wrong for designers to offer that. I think you got to do whatever makes sense for you. And there definitely are clients out there who like, they really just want a logo. They don't care about Mm -hmm. all the other elements. Um, So there is a place for that service. But for me, it just felt like it just wasn't worth it (laughs) for the Mm -hmm. amount that I would be able to charge for it. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any offers that you maybe sometimes toy with bringing back, like things that you've retired and don't do anymore, but like kind of wish you still did or wish you still had time for? Um, Not really. I guess the only thing that comes to mind is that I do occasionally still do hourly work just because for certain projects, 
that's just what makes the most mm-hmm. sense. Like, for example, if I worked with a client on their website um, and then they come back to me and they need a few updates, it doesn't really make sense to do like a full day rate because it's kind of overkill for what they're lo- looking for. Um, so in that case, hourly can work. But the difference is that now I charge a rate that's a lot more uh, sustainable for me. <laughs> but other than that, I can't really think of anything else that I would I would want to bring back. Yeah, like things have been kind of fluid and evolved into each other over time. So it's not like you've like really scrapped anything. Yeah, exactly. So one last question about offers before we get back into some marketing and truly messy middle questions. Um, From both the client side and the provider side, I love your pricing. A lot of your offers are similar in both structure and price to some of my copy offers. And I feel like they're this perfect mix of like, easy yes pricing, but still enough to like justify that you're getting this professional quality at the end of the day. And you mentioned before, like changing your hourly rate over time. What has your journey been like with pricing from the beginning of your business through now? And how do you approach, you know, coming up with pricing for a new project or offer or like revisiting the pricing of your in a day services? Yeah, good question. It's definitely evolved a lot over time. And I don't just mean that I kept increasing it. There are also times that I actually decreased my pricing because I realized that after increasing it, people, it would just be harder for people to be able to see the value of it at that price point. Mm. So I actually went through an interesting phase last year where I was really focused on selling this signature package. And I had done a lot of, you know, working with coaches and courses and all of that. And everyone's trying to get you to sell this like big signature package and price it at 10K plus and work with like these premium clients. And I guess the idea behind it is that if you sell this big ticket package, you can do fewer of them. Mm -hmm. So you're actually doing less work, but making more money. Um, So that was really appealing to me. And so I tried to kind of go along with that and focus on the signature and raise my rates. And basically, it just didn't really work out in the way that I hoped it would. Um, I did manage to sell a couple of packages at that higher rate. But then, I don't know, for whatever reason, I really struggled to continue that. And basically, I came to kind of dread doing the sales calls. Um, which I never love doing, but when you're selling a high ticket package like that, there's a lot more, I guess, pressure and there's a lot more selling that you have to do Mm -hmm. because you really have to convince people of the value of it. And yeah, that just didn't feel good to me. So I ended up actually reducing my rate back to what it was before. And that kind of helped because then I was able to book more packages. Um, And then I also started offering more of the day rates as well to kind of fill in the gaps when I wasn't able to sell those larger packages. But other than that, as far as the pricing, I try to come up with a number that feels good to me and that is going to help me meet my income goals, but also thinking about like where my clients are at in their business. And if they're not going to be able to invest like 10k plus then is there something else that I can offer them that is going to be a better fit for for where they are yeah definitely I love that and I experienced the same thing I think when trying to like 
build out a more premium offering. It's like, there's a lot of, you know, especially for ongoing like management stuff, there's a lot of questions and guessing and like true unknowns. And if you're building out these like big packages to try and account for all of that, there's so much room for, well, what if things change or what if this happens or what if that happens? And I actually like went back to doing a lot of hourly pricing in the beginning of 2022 because I was just like, I felt like I kept getting what the client needed wrong in terms of like, you have this call, you give this pitch and then like things change a couple months down the line and they're like locked into this package. Mm -hmm. So I definitely can relate to that. And I don't do quite as much hourly anymore, but I think pulling back and getting back in that zone can be really helpful. So now the questions that we're all here for, the messy middle. Can you think of a point in your business where you made the transition to stop feeling like a total newbie, but maybe also realize that the messy middle is not necessarily easier than being a beginner business owner? Yeah, it's so hard to like pinpoint a specific point in time just because things have changed a lot over the past four years and they continue to change. And it feels like the messy middle never really goes away. It just kind of morphs into something else. But I guess I would say when I was about two years into my business is when I started to feel like I wasn't a newbie anymore. Um, And I think what happened is that clients started coming to me. I think that was really the ultimate shift is that instead of me always actively trying to find my next client and like worrying about where my next paycheck was going to come from, clients started to come to me instead. And that has continued to grow over the past couple of years, which I feel super fortunate about because it takes a lot of the stress of like running your own business out of the picture. So yeah, I guess there wasn't really a specific point in time, but I'd say, yeah, around the like two, two year mark is when things kind of shifted. Yeah. So can you think of a time though, maybe since that two year mark where you've made like a major oops or looking back, you're like, wow, that was such a rookie mistake. Like, I can't believe like I'm supposed to be in the middle. Why is this like beginner problem happening to me? Yeah, there's definitely been a few (laughs) moments like that. Um, I would say there have been some projects that didn't work out because the client wasn't a good fit. I think the the mistake that I still make the most often is taking on red flag clients. Mm. And every time that happens, I'm like, I should have known better. Like I saw those red flags from the very beginning, but for whatever reason, I felt like I needed to take on the project and most of the time I've regretted doing those. Um, so that still happens every now and then, not not as often as it used to. But I mean, even as recently as like earlier this year, I took on a day rate client who had so many red flags before we worked together. And then after we worked together, all these like issues kept coming up. And yeah, it just wasn't a great experience. But I try and just learn from them every time. <laughs> What are some what are some red flags that are like an automatic no for you that like you currently are like very good at not accepting those clients? And maybe what are some that you like convince yourself 
to keep going, even if the red flag is there? Yeah, um, I think a style of communication is a big one. Like for this client, for example, I was talking to them, you know, we talked back and forth for like over a month before they finally booked the project. Oh my. Like they would just, they reached out to me, they said they were interested and then there would be like a week where I didn't hear anything. And then they came back and said they were interested, but they have a few more questions and then there would be another week of silence. So yeah, I mean, for a day rate, especially communication is really important and being able Mm -hmm. to be able to reach each other during the day to like get feedback on things and just make sure we're on the same page. So yeah, that, that would be probably the biggest red flag. Otherwise, just like the types of questions that people ask or like the way they kind of approach your pricing, for example, Mm. like if someone's like, oh, this is like this client also really told me that my service was really expensive and that they could have hired someone to do this for like $200 or something. Freaking hate when people do that. And they told me that even though they hired me, they told me that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know why you're telling me this after you've already paid for the project. But anyway, um, yeah, mostly just communication things and kind of like intuitively like assessing what someone's going to be like to work with. Yeah, I get that for sure. So you talk a lot in your marketing and in general about how important SEO is and how you get a lot of your clients like from SEO and through Google. Was this always a case or was there like a point in time where you really hit your SEO stride and the client acquisition process became easier? You said that was like around two years in. Yeah, that, yeah, I guess that would be around the two year mark as well. So for anyone who knows anything about SEO, it's, you know that it's a long game and it takes a lot of time to actually see results from it. So I I kind of started blogging pretty much as soon as I started my business. I don't really know why. It just seemed like something that I should do, probably because I just like enjoy writing. And so in the beginning, I didn't know anything about SEO and I was just kind of like writing posts that I thought people would want to read. <laughs> or like to educate people about my services. And then over time, I started to learn more about SEO. And I managed to get a couple posts that ranked really well on Google. And actually today, the post that brings me the most traffic is one that I published in 2019. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's amazing because I get so much traffic and actually leads as well from like you know, just a handful of blog posts that have just lived on my website for the past few years. And so now I'm a lot more strategic about blogging and about keyword research and, you know, all of that. But yeah, SEO has definitely been like a major game changer for me. And that's where most people are are finding me these days. Awesome. So in between finding clients on Upwork and when SEO really took off, like, can you remember where your first, like, organic client came from that wasn't like on a job board already? So after Upwork, I discovered Facebook groups Mm. and realized that there were a lot of groups with like entrepreneurs and other creatives. 
And so for a while, that's where I was getting most of my um, projects. So people would just post that they're looking for a web designer or a brand designer. And then I would comment with a link to my website. And then if they were interested, then they would reach out to me and have a call. Um, so that was working for me for a while. And then after I started to work with more clients, I started to get referrals as well. And I still do. So the referrals started to build up. and that is honestly such a great way to get clients um, without really trying to, because if they trust the person who referred them, then they're going to be more likely to trust you as well. So yeah, I would say the referrals and then the SEO started kicking in as well. And I've always been on social media um, since the beginning, but social media has never been a main source of clients for me. I don't know Mm -hmm. why, but I think it's overhyped, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, So what about your next client? What's next for Steph Corrigan Design? Do you have anything exciting coming up? Anything to announce? The floor is yours. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So the next thing I'm I'm definitely keeping busy with design projects, um, mostly day rates at this point, but I am working on a couple custom brand and web projects as well. Um, But the next thing I'm working on is my first course. And basically, I've been wanting to create a course for a while, but I didn't know what to teach. And so it kind of hit me one day that like, what what was something that was working really well for me that I can confidently teach that's going to be helpful for other business owners as well? And that is blogging. Mm. So I'm working on creating a course about how to write blog posts um, using SEO in order to get more clients, traffic, sales, subscribers, all of that um, through your website. Awesome. Do you have a wait list or anything that people can join for that? I do have a wait list. I'm not sure what the URL is off the top of my head. (laughs) You can get me the link and we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Sounds good. So that is it for me. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. We'll have, like I said, all of your links in the show notes, but for our listeners, where can people find you and hang out online? Yeah. So you can find me at stephcorrigan.com. And I'm also on Instagram at stephcorrigandesign, although I am taking an Instagram break right now. So I'm not super active on there, but I'm sure I'll be back at some point. (laughs) They always suck you back in. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Steph. We'll talk to you later. And thank you for our listeners for listening. We will talk to you next week on another episode of Messy in the Middle. Hey there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Or more likely, thanks for leaving your phone just far enough away that you can't get to it in time to skip past this part. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and leave a review. And shout out to my guests for joining me, my dog for not barking, my editor Chrissy for doing her thing, and my friend Devin for letting me use his music. You can check out all of the links for the podcast, anything mentioned in today's episode, and the amazing people who helped me put on the show in the show notes. Bye!